High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Avail yourself to all the things that are taking place and happening, a lot of great things. We really are excited about this new year. Some great things are on the horizon. Listen, I'm believing God that you're going to see breakthrough in every area of your life. How many of you just will uh, release your faith and say, Lord, I'm believing for a great breakthrough this year, amen, in every area of my life? Just look at somebody and say, breakthrough's on your horizon. Come on, tell at least three people, breakthrough is on your horizon. And sometimes people ask you, what, what, what do you mean breakthrough? Breakthrough is basically another way of we say in the manifestation of what you've been praying for takes place. Okay, What you've been warring for, what you've been standing for. And it actually begins to take place and things begin to happen. And one of the things that I have found many times with answered prayer and what God does within our lives, uh, sometimes it happens uh, through a process. And listen, you need to rejoice anytime you just see a little glimmer of something happening, go ahead and begin to dance. Amen. As a matter of fact, go ahead and begin to shout and begin to praise the Lord for it before you see it, right? And if you'll do that, I'm telling you, God is faithful to do exactly what he promised that he, that he would do. Uh, every promise that God has declared in his word is a promise that you can grab hold of and that you can stand upon and that you begin, can begin to run with and see God actually manifest within your life. If you weren't here this past Sunday, uh, does anybody remember what we shared on Sunday? Does anybody remember what we kept saying? Anybody remember? Praise the Lord. Somebody shout it out to me. Everybody say, it's time to run. I mean, it's time to run with the vision. We're not going to crawl with the vision. We're not going to walk with the vision. We're going to begin to run with the vision. We're going to begin to run with what God has uh, ordained for us to do, commissioned us to do. And I believe that as we do that, the Lord will bless us. And again, I believe God has a vision for you individually, but he also has a vision for us corporately. And what I have found that happens so many times is that corporate and individual vision, how that they actually work together. And you'll actually see them actually manifesting at the same time as you begin to apply yourself uh, in both areas. In other words, yes, there's a personal vision that God has for my life, for my family, but there's also a corporate vision that God has for our life, for the church, uh, both the local church and the what we'd call the corporate body of Christ. Well, whenever we begin to uh, uh, co-labor together with the Lord to see that vision fulfilled, I'll tell you we'll see personal vision also fulfilled. But you got to begin to run with it, you know. And I, I really believe, you know, what we uh, saw take place is uh, it's almost like for two years, for several years, there were some things that were put on hold within our lives. Anybody feel like for two years you kind of were on hold, you know, things were put on hold? Uh, I know as a church we were, there were some things that we just couldn't launch into, some things we couldn't do, uh, but I really believe that the Lord is going to cause us to make up for any time that we had to be on hold because we're going to run with the vision, amen? Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 5 tonight, and we're starting a series, uh, really starting this year out on Wednesday nights, and throughout the month of January, we're going to be sharing on prayer, and the, the title of this series is, is actually Pray This Way, and uh, one of the things that you're going to see biblically is that there is a proper way and a proper method, if we can use that terminology, for us to pray. Jesus prescribed a way, to a manner, a method that we can begin to pray 
And I will tell you, if we'll do it the Bible way, you will see Bible results. Right? If you'll do it the way that Jesus actually said to pray, not necessarily the way that Grandma prayed. I'm sure Grandma loved the Lord, but, you know, Grandma was operating at her level of understanding and knowledge. And how many know there's been a lot of revelation that's been restored in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years? You know, and I thank God for my heritage, and I thank God for the things that were imparted to me whenever I was young. But you know what? There's some understanding that I have received, a lot of understanding that I've received, and a lot of revelation from the Word that I've received since then. And, it, and I believe is in a greater measure, in a greater way than what people were operating at 50 years ago. And by the way, it should be that way. We would hope that the church 50 years from now was operating at a greater level than the church right now. Would everybody agree to that? And see, we're supposed to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. We don't just sit still and we stay with the same things that we've always known. doesn't mean we throw away what we've already learned, but what it does mean that we build on what we have, the foundation that we have, and we go from glory to glory. Amen? You know, I, I thank God again, as you've heard me say before, I thank God for my heritage, you know, my Christian heritage, my Pentecostal heritage. But, you know, whenever, I'm going to skip to, to some things in my message tonight, but in whenever uh, we were growing up, we were taught, and for any of you that were in a Pentecostal church, you may know what I'm talking about, but you were taught to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Anybody taught about tarrying for the Holy Ghost? You know, we had to tarry for the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want everybody to understand that there was revelation and understanding that came that we didn't have to tarry. I mean, you don't have to wait for something that the Lord has already sent. You just got to receive it, Right? And the whole reason that Jesus even told the disciples, he said, to tarry in Jerusalem is because the Holy Spirit had not been sent yet. But now, how many know the Holy Spirit has been sent, and all you've got to do is say, Lord, I receive, and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues just like that, right? You don't receive the Holy Spirit based upon how long you stay down at the altar. It's based entirely upon your faith. It's based entirely upon just, Lord, I receive. He's not withholding it from you. And the reality is we just have to open our hearts and receive. And, uh, and so tonight I'm going to share something, and I call it deconstructing prayer. Deconstructing prayer. And, uh, and one of the things I think that is very important for us to grasp hold of, very important for us to understand, is that you cannot have an effective prayer life until, first of all, you remove any type of faulty foundation of prayer that you may already have within your life. And what we're going to see is this is what Jesus actually did with his own disciples. He actually deconstructed prayer for them in the sense that they had learned a way and a manner of praying. And basically Jesus comes in and says, listen, this is not the proper way to pray. And if you're going to have results and you're going to be effective in prayer, then there are some things that you've got to remove. There's some things that you've got to do different. How many of you tonight are willing to say, Lord, if there is anything that is hindering my prayer life, I want it removed out of my life? How many of you, say, how many of you would say, yes, Lord, remove anything in my life that would be negatively affecting my prayer life? There's a lot, and by the way, I want to make sure everybody understands, the reason we pray is not to prove spirituality. The reason that we pray is not, is not only just to obey a command, but understand, the reason we pray is for one reason, and that is this, we want to see results, right? We want to see the kingdom of God come into the earth. That's the reason Jesus said to pray, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, first thing, your kingdom come, your will be done, where on earth as it is in heaven, you see, effective prayer is all about pulling heaven into earth. 
okay? I'm going to say that again. Effective prayer is all about pulling heaven into the earth, pulling healing into the earth, pulling blessing into the earth, pulling breakthrough into the earth. It, it's pulling salvation into your family, right? That's what prayer is all about. We're not trying to spend time in order to prove something or try to impress the Lord or impress those that are around us. We are there to see God move. We're there to see results happen within our lives, amen? And so we see here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus is speaking here and he says, and when you pray, you will not be like the hypocrites. Look at somebody say, don't be a hypocrite, <laughs> We got to talking about this not too long ago. You know, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the body of Christ today, tremendous amount. And by the way, if, you, if, if, if you're living a hypocritical lifestyle, then I'd encourage you to change very quickly. Amen? And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners and on the streets that they may be seen of men. Please write that down. That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. We'll get back to that later. As the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, or their much speaking, as the original King James says. Therefore, do not be like them. Look at somebody say, don't be like that. For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. This is Jesus speaking. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. And by the way, if you, the, the, if there are numerous translations of this particular passage of Scripture in this manner, in the entire Bible as far as that goes. But actually what it literally says in many of the translations is it actually says this, pray this way. Jesus is actually speaking and He says, this is the way that you should pray. You need to pray this way. I'm telling you this is the way to pray. Don't pray like this, but this is the way that you pray. And he goes on to say, Our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from uh, the evil one. And yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. By the way, we should pray for deliverance. Amen. You know, a church, uh, churches have, they, they have to choose whether or not they're going to believe in deliverance and practice deliverance or whether or not they're going to be a church that's full of devils because it's one or the other. Either your church is full of devils and demons or it is a church that believes in deliverance. Uh, for you that don't know, we believe in deliverance here at High Praise. Amen. And if there's devils wherever they're at you, at, at, if they're on you, if they're around you, if they're near you, if they're in you, if they're oppressing you, if they're obsessing you, or they're possessing you, or whatever it is. Listen, we're not going to argue about where they're at, but I will just tell you this much. They're too close, and you need deliverance because God wants you to walk in freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. The church needs to be delivered today. And, uh, and so that's a whole other subject that I won't go too far in. But we see that Jesus himself is teaching his disciples to actually receive deliverance. You know, one of the things that I found just walking in the earth, there's things that want to get on you. Have you ever went somewhere and you could just tell something's wanting to get on me here, right? You can watch something on TV, something wanting to get on me. You know, you go to somewhere and, some, and sometimes it can be irritation with other people around you, you know, and the old man, the, when I say the old man, I'm talking about the flesh wants to rise up, you know, wants to get on you. Listen, you need to receive deliverance all the time, 
right? Whenever you begin to sense that happening, you just start praying in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, devil. I cast you out. I cast you off. You will not have entrance into my heart or into my mind or any other area of my personage. Amen. And by the way, you got to be bold like that. You just got to take authority over it right there. And see, this is what Jesus said, you know. He said, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So what we see here happening is Jesus is actually deconstructing prayer. He's actually tearing down old foundations and old structures, old belief systems that disciples had seen their entire life. You've got to think about this. This is what they've seen growing up. All of these men, all of his disciples, this is the manner of prayer. This is the way that they prayed. This is the way that they were taught. And Jesus comes in and says, listen, what you have been observing and what you have been seeing is not the way that you ought to pray. So what he does, he comes in and he starts chipping away at the foundations. It kind of reminds me whenever the call of God came upon Jeremiah. What the Lord told Jeremiah, he said, I've called you to root up. I've called you to overthrow. I've called you to tear down. I've called you to deconstruct. And then he said, oh, by the way, I've also called you to build and plant. You see, you, you, should, you can't really start building and planting properly until, first of all, you dig up what was there. You know, this building right here, and some of you might have been here, not all that many were here whenever we actually, how many of you were here when we built this building? Just raise your hand, wave your hand at. Okay, that's probably 25, 30% of you that were. Uh, so anyway, whenever we actually built this building, I will tell you there was something else that was here. There was, uh, part of it was a vacant lot, but part of it was also, there was a, a like a, uh, an old house. I don't know if anybody remembers. There was a, like an old house that had fallen down that was actually, uh, it, you know, and woods were all around it. And it was encased around it. And it was our property, and nobody wanted to even dare walk over there. God only knows what's over there, uh, whatever creepy, crawly things that might be over there. We just stayed away from that area, you know. And uh, this is what happened, though. Whenever they came in, first thing they did, they took all of that down. There was a concrete slab there. They had to pull every bit of that up. Not only that, because there was some actual uh, what, muck that was in the, the soil. The soil didn't pass the test. Let me tell you what they did. They dug up three foot of soil here. Three, I don't know if anybody's ever seen them do that. But they dug up three foot of soil. Kyle, you know what I'm talking about. They dug up three foot of soil and then brought in dirt. I, I was kind of, you know, I was going, What? You're digging up dirt in order to bring in dirt. It you know, doesn't make sense to me. And it costs us $25,000 to have that dirt you know, brought in. Uh, and, and so the, but this is the deal. They recognize that, you know what, you can't build this building uh, upon this muck because if you try to build on this, what's going to happen is you're not going to have a strong foundation and actually the foundation will end up cracking. And so they had to dig up stuff. Are you following what I'm saying? They're digging up stuff. And you know what? Many times what happens is Christians are not willing to deconstruct some old ways of thinking in order to move into the new and the powerful that God has for them. And you've got to be willing to say, Lord, if it ain't of you, then I don't care what grandma said. I don't care what mama or daddy said. I know they love the Lord. This is not about them. Lord, this is about what you're saying. Right? You know, I found there was a lot of good things that were imparted to my life when I was young, but there was a lot of things that just weren't the full truth, you know. It's what was proclaimed as truth, but whenever you examined it against the Bible, hmm, listen, if it don't line up with the Word, then you kick it out. Bottom line, okay? If it doesn't line up with the Bible, then we remove it. 
I don't care how long you've believed it. I don't care what you think about it. You know, a lot of you probably brought, uh, were, were brought up in, in, in hearing, you know, uh, even hearing people pray in this manner, Lord, if it be your will, heal brother so-and-so. Did anybody ever hear that before? Lord, if it be your will, heal brother so-and-so. And how many of you know that, first of all, we should never, as believers, pray, if it be your will, concerning healing, concerning deliverance, Listen, if it's not the will of God to heal people, then neither is it the will of God to save everybody. But how many know it's the will of God to save everybody? Do you know it's the will of God to heal everybody? I can't get too deep into this, but you know what I had to learn is that, you know, the way that we pray for people is not, Lord, if it be your will. No, we say, Lord, we know it's your will, and we release the healing power of God to flow into your body in Jesus' name. We do it with authority, amen? We're not asking, pleading, or begging God. And a lot of the prayer that, you know, that I heard whenever I was growing up was a beseeching begging of the Lord, trying to convince God to do something. Listen, you don't have to convince God to heal one person. You know why? Jesus already did it over 2,000 years ago when he took the stripes upon his back. Listen, he paid the price for your healing. He paid the price so that you could walk in divine health. Amen? So I don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will. That's already a settled uh, fact that it's the will of God to heal us. Amen? So anyway, so before we can have an accurate foundation, are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? All right, again, uh, I, I, I really believe that this is very important. I've never actually even taught this before, but anyway, uh, and I've done a lot of teaching on prayer. This is the first time I've ever taught this, actually. But before we can have an accurate foundation of prayer within our lives, we must first deconstruct the faulty. Again, this is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. He deconstructed what had been demonstrated in the past. Okay, And so some believers, hear this, fail to have a strong, effective prayer life all because they are building on a weak and faulty foundation. Now let me go over some of these things real quick that Jesus began to address. How many of you, how many of you believe that if Jesus said it, that's what we ought to embrace? Do you believe that? If Jesus said it, that's what we need to embrace. Okay? You, you don't embrace things just because I say it, okay? You don't embrace something because, I don't care who it is that's standing up here behind this pulpit. You don't ever believe something just solely because they say it, right? As a matter of fact, that's the way cults actually develop. That's the way false doctrine actually begins to arise, even within the church. We don't ever believe something just because a, an anointed man or woman of God says it or even prophesies it. If it does not line up with the words of Jesus, then we have every responsibility to throw it out. We have every responsibility to reject it. By the way, that's been something I've been preaching for years and years and years. And I talk about it quite a bit, actually, in Voices of Deception, because a lot of times what happens is people even begin to prophesy things, and it is not the spirit in the heart of Jesus. And understand this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, if it is not testifying of what Jesus did and is doing and his heart, not demonstrating his heart, I don't care how many thus saith the Lord you put on the back of it, it does not make it the word of the Lord. Right? So we have to test, but the Bible commands us to prove all things. Prove prophetic ministry. Prove prophetic words. And then you hold fast to that which is good. That's another message also. I'm giving you about 10 messages tonight. I'm telling you what a deal tonight. But uh, anyway, this is the first thing. Prayer is not to be done with the motive of being seen. That's the first thing that Jesus is actually addressing here. He says whenever you begin to pray, don't 
don't, don't do like the hypocrites. They love to stand praying in the synagogues. They, they, they come and they pray in the church also that they can be seen. And so, number one, Jesus is addressing the motive of prayer. Now, this is something that's very important because if your motive in prayer is not correct starting out with, then you're not going to be able to pray effectively. If your motive is wrong, if your motive is skewed, then you're going to have skewed results. And so the motive of the Pharisees was that they wanted everyone to see them so that they could think highly of them, so that they could think that they were great men of God, so that they could think that God had anointed them in some manner or some way. Listen, prayer has nothing to do with promoting a spiritual reputation. You might want to write that down. Praying has nothing to do with promoting spiritual reputation. There should not be anything that we do in the kingdom of God with the motive of being seen. Whether it's worship, whether it's preaching, whether it's praying, whether it's prophesying, whatever it is. Listen, if your motive is to be seen, then you need to go, listen, you just need to trip back to the altar. That's all I can say. And you need to get your heart right because it's not about being seen. Whenever I preach and minister, this is not about me. I I want people to admire me. That is not uh, what this is about at all. I have one goal, and that is this. I want to impart truth to you. I want to be the pastor that God has called me to be. I want to function in the anointing and the call that God has placed upon my life. It is not about me being seen. Lord, get us out of the way, and Jesus, let your voice shine. Lord, let your kingdom be that which is promoted. Amen? Can everybody say amen to that? So Jesus is addressing the motive of prayer. And again, nothing that we do should be done in order to be seen of men. Again, uh, I have known of people, and we've had it before, where people come in, and they want to come down. Now, now, by the way, we open the front up to whoever wants to come down here. just want to make sure everybody knows that. Yeah, I think it's wonderful, and if adults want to come down there, here, that's fine also. You know, just please make sure that you're aware that we do have kids down here at the same time, and don't be stomping on somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, you know, and it's okay if somebody wants to come here and come to the front. And it, particularly, you know, a lot of times there's some restricted uh, space that you have just standing there. And if somebody feels like, well, I need to get somewhere so I can get free and dance and worship, that's fine. You can get on the sides over here and over there. But I, I will tell you, whenever you begin to draw attention to yourself, I can go ahead and tell you right now, you are not in the spirit. <laughs> okay? When you're trying to draw attention to yourself and get other people to look at you and think that you are something that's great and that you're very spiritual and you're in love with the Lord, my friend, that's the wrong motive. And that is not worship, okay? It is not worship when all the attention is being drawn to you. And so we have to understand that the whole goal of worship is to take the attention off of us and get our attention upon the Lord, amen? So, you know, if somebody comes up and they start, you know... uh, uh, drawing attention to themselves. You know, we do have ushers in here. I just want to make, I'm going to go ahead and just, as the apostle of this house, I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know, okay? We give a lot of freedom to people. They can come in and they can worship and they can praise. And a lot of times when there's somebody that's new, never been here before, you know, we'll let them, allow them to kind of uh, go and flow and maybe do some things that may be a little bit outside of the parameters of norm, Okay? And uh, the reason we do that is because they may not, they may have come from a place where the culture of worship was what they were doing, okay? 
And, but at the same time, we understand, and I think everybody is discerning enough to know whenever somebody is doing something in order to try to draw attention to themselves. You ever seen it happen? Have you recently seen it happen? Well, you know what? We love those individuals. But the reality is this, you know, and we're going to try our best. To, if they come back, you know, we, we work with them or do whatever. But, but the reality is I don't think that the pastor doesn't know what's going on. Don't think the leaders don't know what's going on. Okay? It's just a matter of, you know, we give grace to people. But at the same time, at some point in time, and very quickly in time, you're going to have to realize, is this is the way we worship the Lord here? Right? This is the way we worship the Lord. And if you start drawing attention to yourself, then I'm going to politely go over there and tell you, listen, there's somebody over here that wants to pray for you. Praise the Lord. And have them begin to pray for them in a nice way. So anyway, that's, see, I'm doing this, and I trust that everybody is hearing what I'm saying. That's all I'll say. And so, uh, and particularly you in the second service. Okay. Is it okay? Uh, you're okay with this? All right, praise the Lord. My man Larry's over there. Uh, yeah, I, I got you now. Okay, I'm good to go. See, Jesus said, if you're praying to be seen, and by the way, think about this, because there's some people that are praying not just to be seen by man, but they're praying to be seen by the Lord. They feel like that the more they pray, they can impress the Lord and in some way end up deserving something. Listen, you don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. And the amount of time in prayer that you actually spend is not going to cause you to deserve anything whatsoever. Everything we receive is because God loved us. We, everything we receive is because of the blood of Jesus. Everything we receive is because of the covenant that we have. Everything we receive is because of the grace of God. Right? Everything we receive is by the grace of God. And so don't think that you're going to do something in order to earn something through your prayers. You don't earn anything through prayers. You can't say, God, you owe me because I've spent 4,500 hours in prayer. Listen, God doesn't owe you anything because he's already given you everything. You're following this. doesn't owe you. Okay? So if you're trying to impress, whether it's a man or you're trying to impress the Lord, understand, what Jesus says is this, you've got your reward you got your reward. You did it to impress people. You impressed people. There it is. But how many know that is not what you're praying for? You're praying in order to see results. You're praying to see answers. You're praying to pull heaven into the earth realm. Amen? Here's another thing that Jesus was addressing. Prayer doesn't prove spirituality. By the way, it's cold in here. Is anybody else cold or is it just me? I'm preaching and I'm cold. All right. Okay, we got ladies going through different times and seasons, but nonetheless, but anyway, I can't ever figure it out. I don't know if any of you other men are like that. I'm going, it's hot. Okay, we turn the air conditioner. Oh, I'm freezing now. What'd you do? Okay. Hmm? <laughs> I love my wife, just so y'all know that. Yeah, praise the Lord. I just keep, you know, I keep a short sleeve shirt and a jacket nearby. All right. So anyway, so prayer doesn't prove your spirituality. Holiness is not determined by how much somebody prays. However, holy people will pray. 
okay? But it's not the determining factor of whether or not you are spiritual or whether or not you are mature. Prayer by itself will not cause you to mature spiritually. Yet Jesus, he is deconstructing, going back to what we're saying, he's deconstructing the ideas that people have had about prayer, what the disciples have believed about prayer. So prayer by itself will not cause you to mature spiritually. It does not alone cause you to be a fruit-bearing believer. Listen, I have known personally of people who pray a lot, yet were very carnal in the way that they lived. So spiritual maturity is not brought about necessarily by how much you pray. I remember this uh, one gentleman that was in our church at one time, and he had a heart for prayer. And he said, Pastor, I want to actually come up to the church, and I want to pray daily. I said, okay, you come up here. Well, you know, we're open for this to this. And he started coming up there whenever we were open, and he would pray. And he said, and then he, later on, and he was coming daily. And then he said, I, you know, Pastor, I actually, I, I want to come to the church even days that the church isn't open. Can I get a key to come into the church and pray? And I thought, well, you know, that'll be okay. I think he's trustworthy. So we got him a key so he could come in, told him how to lock up. Got him a key so he could come in and open up. And pray. And I'm talking whenever he prayed, the minimum that he would stay here and pray is an hour. That's the minimum he'd pray. Well, he, he did that for quite a, a lengthy season. And then we found out something. We found out that he had decided to leave his wife because he had found somebody else, another woman. Now, by the way, his wife was a praying woman. His wife loved the Lord. Now, he's probably to the church every day and praying. He's spending time in prayer, but at the same time, he's trying to shack up with somebody that he wasn't married to. Now, I just want to make sure everybody understands that you can pray 24-7, and that's not going to make you a mature believer. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Whenever you study the Bible, what you'll actually find, what Jesus actually tied spiritual maturity and spiritual fruitfulness to is actually staying in the Word. That's the reason that actually Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. Why? So that you can grow. You grow through the Word, not just hearing the Word, but then applying it within your life. This man was spending a lot of time, God bless him, spending a lot of time praying spending a lot of time on his face, but not spending time actually growing. And so, listen, you can be praying a lot. And by the way, I've seen some people pray a lot and then believe they've heard things from the Lord that God didn't say. And I'll tell you this much. If you're going to pray a lot, you better also be submitted to some spiritual authority that you allow to speak into your life. If you don't, you'll get weird, you'll get squirrely, you'll get crazy. I've seen it happen way too many times. And this is what happened to him. And he felt spiritually justified in leaving his wife, you know. And, and again, I've seen it happen too many times. And I'm not just here in this church, but even other places. Now, I will tell you, somebody can always find some kind of justification for any sin they want to commit. And I've seen believers, I'm talking about tongue-talking, Shandai, Hyundai believers actually get some type of justification for operating and functioning in sin. And my friend, sin will always be sin. I don't care what you try to, what kind of spin you try to put on it. And if you're married, listen, men, if you're married to a woman, then 
and you said I do, and both of you are saved, then y'all stay together. Oh my, that's way too weak for high praise. Okay, that's not the way we do it here at high praise. If you're married and both of you are saved, you're not going to get a divorce. You're going to work it out and you're going to stay together. Amen. It's not what I signed up for. It's too late, baby. You said I do. You're done. That's what I told our kids whenever they, Pastor Joshua can tell you that, whenever, before they got married. And I told all of our children, I said, listen, I will not tell you who you can marry. Other than if they're not saved, I'll tell you, because the Bible says you're not to marry somebody that's not saved. Not to be unequally yoked. And I believe it actually entails a little bit more than that, but because sometimes even a saved person, you can be unequally yoked to them. Okay. But anyway, that's a whole other message. See, there, there goes another one. But the reality, I, 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 I told them, so I won't tell you who you can marry, but I'll tell you this much. When you say I do, you're done. Okay? You're going to make it work. Okay? We're just gonna, you're going to do it. Okay? If I have to hog tie y'all together, <laughs> you know, y'all going to make it work one way or another. You know, I know Miranda's probably wanted to leave them a couple of times, but praise the Lord. All right? I didn't hear that, but anyway, but, 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 you know, I mean, y'all heard me on Sunday. I think it was maybe the first service, you know, I was talking about, there's been times every person that's married, you just want to at times go, that's it. Out the back, Jack, right? Come on, make a new plan, Stan. Okay, you want me to share that? All right. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Okay. We, we've done it all. You know, I see it. I'm, baby, I'm out of here. I deserve better than this. And you know why I know that people say that? Because I've said it. I'm being honest. I'm being totally truthful and honest with you. Y'all know I'm transparent. My wife can tell you I've said it before. I got really upset one time, and she was doing something. I was like, I know none of you have ever done that. But, okay, I have, okay? Aren't you glad God can use me even that? Anyway, but nonetheless, I said, that's it. It's over. I deserve better than this. I'm the anointed man of God. <laughs> I'm out of here. No. I don't know. She lassoed me, pulled me back in the house. What's that? Oh, I missed dinner, yeah. <laughs> so, but, it, but the reality is this. You've got to make a decision. You know what? We're going to make this work. One way or another, we're going to make it work, right? We're not going anywhere. We're just we're going to stay together. We're going to make it work. And by the way, if you're married here and you've never had any kind of disagreement and you've never had any kind of fuss or whatever, God bless you. You'll probably get one one tonight. But anyway, nonetheless, I'm not cursing you anything, but that's just the reality of life. That's just the reality of life, right? How many of you will admit we've had some disagreements before? Okay. Yeah. Now, I will say this. We have far less. Well, I don't know if the disagreements really decrease, but the way that we handle them, we do much better. Right? We're talking about living room suits today. 
you know, or yesterday. Oh, we were talking about there's this piece of furniture that we have in the bathroom. And I thought, that thing needs to go. It ain't hurting anything here. Okay. And so, anyway, that's just something small. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to push the point because I didn't want to have a fuss. Praise the Lord. So back to what I was saying. <laughs> Pray this way. You may think, listen, if, if somebody needs to say these things, you don't, y'all understand what I'm saying? You need, to, you need to be, I'm saying it to encourage you. You may think because you had a fight the other day that your marriage is doomed. I'm telling you, it's not. You know, if we could make it, anybody in this house can make it. Okay? You don't know what she has to live with, praise the Lord. (laughs) All right, let's move on. So prayer doesn't prove your spirituality. As I was saying, this gentleman, he came to the church every single day. He was praying every single day. And the next thing you know, he's having an affair with a woman that he's not married to and ends up divorcing his wife. So prayer by itself will not produce spirituality within you. It will not produce spiritual maturity within you. Amen? You have to do that by the word. Okay? So spirituality and maturity are produced by hearing and practicing the word. Again, we already gave you the scriptures on that. Here's the next thing. Prayer is not effective because of repetition. Again, Jesus is deconstructing prayer here because of what they've seen their entire lives. He said, you've got to get a hold of this because this is, not what, this is not how you're supposed to pray. Prayer is not effective because of repetition. Continuing to repeat something over and over accomplishes nothing solely because it's repeated over and over. Jesus said this, that they think that they're going to be heard. The implication is this, they're not going to be heard. They can pray a lot, they can keep these repetitions going, but the reality is they are not going to be heard just because they keep repeating the same thing over and over again. In other words, Please, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but I'm just saying if you just say, Jesus, 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 that's not going to necessarily mean your, your prayer is going to be answered. Does everybody understand? You know, or just say, Lord, 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 Lord. That's not going to, you know, that's not going to. Or you just keep saying the same thing over and over. I remember whenever I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm skipping a couple of things here, but I was a young, very young man, 11 years old. And again, uh, I was in a church and, Thank God for my Pentecostal heritage, and I thank God for all the wonderful things that I received in that church. And, uh, but I can remember going to a youth meeting. It was on a Tuesday night. I went to a youth meeting, and uh, the youth leader's name there was Brother Dale. And, uh, but anyway, and so one, at one night, uh, they were praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't even know what it was. I mean, just, we didn't have any knowledge, Okay. I'd heard people pray in tongues, speak in tongues. We didn't really hear people praying in tongues as much as occasionally there would be what we'd call an utterance in tongues or a message in tongues within the church. But anyway, so, uh, but, I, you know, we didn't know very much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was 11 years old, you know, been in kids' church my whole life. This was one of my first youth meetings. Went to the youth meeting. They started praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, of course, what happened is they'd have somebody uh, come up and, and stand there, and then everybody. Everybody that was there would gather around them and pray hands, uh, lay hands upon them, and begin to pray. And if anybody was you're know, raised in the Pentecostal background, uh, you know that's the, that's the way we did it. Okay, that was the methodology that we used in Pentecost at that time. And everybody in the whole house would gather around them. And I don't know, there's probably 25, 30 youth there, and we started praying. And I'm my first youth service, and I'm kind of in the back. 
And so they start, you know, coming up. And I remember there was this one lady, and she was really rather, she was a rather big lady. And uh, I think I've shared this before, but, you know, she was praying, and every, every now and then she would get the Holy Ghost chill bump. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Woo! And she would do that. Woo! And, and I thought, you know, I'm 11 years old, I thought, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. And so you know what I did? I started... I'm behind her, and because I, I, you don't know what to do, I'm just I'm following the leader. She's standing, she's in front of me, she's shaking. I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Wiggle a little bit, and the next thing you know, she turned around and she said, "This, I believe this little boy right here that he can get baptized in the Holy Spirit." And before I could say. What? <laughs> there was hands coming at me from all different directions, you know, coming at me. And there were people that, there was, was one lady. Y'all have heard about it, right? She was high karate chopping me in the, in the throat. And then, and she was saying, speak it out, 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 speak it out. Y'all think I'm making this up. I am not making this up. This is actually what took place. And I'm 11 years old, and I don't even know what's happening. I just know, you know, I've all of a sudden, hands have come from all over the place. Now I'm getting hit in the throat, and I'm hearing, speak it out, 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 speak it out. And thank God, and listen, even in the midst of that, you know, how many of God does things sometimes in the middle of our ignorance? But even because of our sincere hearts and we're crying out to God, God will still show up, praise the Lord. That doesn't excuse the ignorance, but what it does, this is the methodology. That's probably the way that they had received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I just lifted up my hands to God. Thank God in one sense, I didn't know a whole lot to do. But I began to sense a bubbling on the inside of, uh, inside of me. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, thank God I did because, or else I'd have had a bruised throat. But anyway, she finally, she stopped kikarotting me, and I started speaking it out. Listen, I want to make sure everybody understands. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm just telling you this is what happened. And you know what? We ought to be able to laugh at some of the things that we used to do. There's some things I did, I'm like, ah, I got to laugh at it or, or cry one or the other. But I've learned to do better now, okay? I've learned there's a, there's a more excellent way. And see, if you're not willing to change and you are still stuck where you were 20, 30 years ago, my friend, God wants to elevate you to another place. Amen? And so anyway, I, this, this is what I was getting at. They thought that they were going to be heard for their vain repetition, okay? But I'll tell you that God didn't fill me with the Holy Spirit because of what they were doing. God filled me with the Holy Spirit in spite of what they were doing. Everybody understand that? In spite of what was happening, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. So understand that vain repetition does not create answers to prayer. Praying repeatedly about the same thing is not going to cause prayer to be effective. Again, that is not to say that you cannot pray over certain things more than one time. Example, like the Lord's Prayer. Those are things we can pray about all the time. But Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty four. He said, whatsoever things you desire, what? When you, when you pray, do what? What did he say? Y'all should know this scripture. 
Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you, believe that you receive and you shall. Do you notice the sequence? Whenever you pray, believe that you receive and then you shall have them. So what Jesus taught us to do is this. Whenever you're in prayer, you believe that you receive it right then. You take hold of it and say, Lord, I thank you for it right now. I grab hold. I believe that I receive it right now. Before you actually have it, before you actually see it manifested, you go ahead and believe that you got it. What Jesus was actually saying is this. In prayer, you got to believe that you got it before you actually get it. That's literally what he was saying. And so whenever we pray, we believe that we receive and then we shall have it. Amen? Understand that God doesn't answer prayer because of the abundance of words spoken to him, rather a heart of faith expressed towards him. I'm going to say that again because it's something you may want to write down. God doesn't answer prayer because of the abundance of words spoken to him, rather the heart of faith that is expressed towards him. Here's the next principle. Prayer is not effective because of how long or how loud you pray. It's not the length, it's the strength. If I heard Bishop Hammond say that one time, I heard him say it a thousand times. It is not the length, it's not the strength, it's not how long you pray, okay? That's not what causes prayer to be effective if you can pray a long time. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying a long time. I'll make sure that I'm giving everybody the balance. Nothing wrong with praying a long time, but that's not what causes prayer to be effective. That's not what causes you to have answers to your prayer. Lengthy prayer does not necessarily produce anything if you're not praying in faith. You can pray all day long, but be in doubt and receive absolutely nothing. You know, James said this, let not the double-minded man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded person can pray all day long, but they'll never receive anything. And that's what James said. He said, don't even think that you're going to receive anything because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his way. Listen, although we might get intense and loud at times, and I pray loud at times, I pray forceful at times, and that's because that's just what's coming out of me, but volume is not the determining factor as to whether prayer is effective. Everybody understand that? You know what? Somebody can come up and they may pray soft. They may pray their manner of prayer may be a little bit different as far as in volume and even many times intensity. That doesn't mean that their prayer is not effective. Can everybody say amen? So, you know what, everybody, there's a, there's a way and a method, necess- we can use that terminology as far as um, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Some people pray loud, some people pray not so loud. But again, it is not the volume, nor is it the length that gives prayer power. Amen? Here's the next thing. In prayer, we are not begging God. In prayer, you don't beg God. If you're begging God, your thinking is wrong. God is not the holdup in the answer to your prayer. He is not purposefully withholding from his children. We don't beg from God, we receive from him. I'll say that again. We don't beg beg God, we receive from him. Begging, if you're begging, it means that you're not believing. Begging and believing are two opposite things. See, if you're begging, you're not trusting him. If you feel like that you're going to be heard for your much speaking, I got to beg and I got to plead with the Lord. First of all, you're not praying with the will, with the knowledge of the will of God. And if you're not praying with the knowledge of the will of God, you can't pray in faith. Faith always begins at the knowledge and understanding of the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, you can't pray in faith. How many know you were saved because you believe that God, that Jesus came and that He saved you already, and you received the gift of salvation, right? And so understand, if you're begging, that means you're, you're, you're trying to convince the Lord of something. Listen, you don't have to convince the Lord of anything. Listen, listen to what Romans 8, 32 says. He who did not spare his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, what he was saying is if God sent his only son, was willing, Jesus was willing to come and freely give his life, how will he not freely give you all things? In other words, if he will actually give his own son to give his life, healing is a small thing. Deliverance is a small thing. Family restoration is a small thing. Financial breakthrough is a small thing. If he'll freely give you, if Jesus himself would freely lay down his life, is this making sense to you tonight? Luke 12, 31 says this, but seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The next verse, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, Jesus said, seek the kingdom and things will be added. And then the next verse, he says, it is the good pleasure of the Lord to give you the kingdom. If he's willing to give you the kingdom and if you seek after the kingdom, that means he's going to give you everything else. Is this making sense to you? So what he's saying here is God desires to release things to you. God is not holding things up. So you don't have to beg the Lord. Look at somebody and say, I'm not a beggar. Come on, tell them I'm not a beggar. Tell, tell somebody I'm not a beggar. Tell them I'm a child of the king. Amen. The next principle I won't go into, I already talked about a little bit. In prayer, we don't have to tarry. Again, Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they received the promise. Why? Because the promise had not been sent. But the reality is after that time, after um, uh, uh, whenever the, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had been sent. And by the way, he hasn't left since the day of Pentecost. I said the Holy Spirit has not left since the day of Pentecost. Filled everybody that was there. And, and from that point on, what you will see is that they, Paul actually asked the uh, church at Ephesus, whatever they were gathered, the Ephesian Christians, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He didn't say, have you tarried? He said, have you received? And they said, no, we didn't, we didn't even hear that there be a Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that Paul prayed for them, laid his hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. And so we see the principle, we don't have to tarry. We're not waiting for something. It's not based upon how long you stay at an altar. Again, if you, you, can, you can pray as long as you want to. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And there's times, with, particularly in intercession, where you're going to spend more time and you have to pray till you feel a release and a note of victory. But we're not talking so much just about intercessory prayer tonight. But what I'm talking about is just prayer in general, okay? Most of our time are prayer. Don't think that you're going to get something solely because you tarry, okay? And uh, again, uh, Pastor Stacy, she you know, brought up also in a way uh, in a church that was kind of taught that you had to tarry for things. And, you know, and whenever she wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Finally, she got wore out and then she received it. <laughs> and she'll tell you that. She finally, she just got wore out. They prayed for her and prayed for her and prayed for her. She tarried and tarried and tarried. And finally, she got it all because she just got wore, she wore, wore, wore herself out. And then. And anybody will have time, but she can explain that at some other time. But anyway, but the reality is you don't have to tarry to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to tarry. If you're tarrying, you're tarrying and waiting for the wrong thing because it's already been given. Holy Spirit's already been given. And let me tell you what, the moment that you say, Lord, I received the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it is there, right there. The holdup is not the Lord. The holdup is us. The, ho the holdup is not him giving you it. The holdup is you receiving it. Does that make sense? And so we have to understand that. The last thing in this is this. In prayer, we don't pray if it be your will. 
The only time that you see prayer being done, if you be your will, is where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's where Jesus, and you got to understand the, the context that Jesus prayed this in. And when he prayed it, it was about, he knew he was going to the cross. And he said, as he was praying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. So that, not my will, but yours be done, excuse me. So this is a prayer of consecration, okay? But a prayer of faith and prayer of consecration are two different things. And so we have to realize that, that in that setting, Jesus is consecrating himself to the will of the Father. Jesus is consecrating himself by saying, Lord, you know, Father, if, if, if it be your will, let this pass. If there's any way that this can pass by me, let it pass by me. However, not my will, but yours be done. And obviously he resolved himself to do the will of the Father and he went to the cross. He suffered, he bled, he died. Thank God he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen? And so understand this. Whenever we pray, hear this, you need to know the will of God before you pray. How do you know the will of God? There's one way to know the will of God, and that is get in your word. Get in your Bible. That's how you know the will of God. The reason that I know this is the will of God for people to be saved is because the Bible says, it's what the Bible says, it is not the will of God that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life, all would come to repentance, right? Well, how do you know that it's the will of God for people to be healed? Because Jesus himself said, whenever uh, the, 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 uh, the sick man said, Lord, if it be your will, make me clean. The leper said that to Jesus. You know what Jesus said? I will be thou clean. I will. Jesus settled once and for all the will of God. It is the will of God. Healing is the will of God. Healing is the children's bread. My friend, God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will. We know what the will of God is. See, here comes the problem is where people think that just because they don't see something happen, that it must not be the will of God. Listen, just because something doesn't happen doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't the will of God. Okay? The will of God doesn't, you know, it's not the will of God that somebody goes and murders somebody. Right? That's not the will and plan of God. But yet people do that. It's not the will of God that a bank robber goes into a bank and robs a bank. However, we see it happening. Okay? And so we have to understand that just because something happens, it doesn't mean that it's the will of God. And just because something happens in your life does not mean that it is the will of God. Okay? We have to understand that we have to embrace the will of God. That's the reason that Jesus said, and we'll talk about this next week, your kingdom come, your will be done whenever you pray. Pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus was saying, you've got to pull the will of God into the earth. Okay, The will of God is not going to automatically happen in your life. You know, It may be the will of, God, will of God that you do something and you walk away from it. Can I tell you, I have seen people before that I knew what the will of God was for them and they had numerous prophetic words about it and then literally forfeit it and walk away from it. It didn't change the will of God for their life. But it changed what the will of God actually, the outcome of the will of God within their life. Is this making sense to you? So we have to understand this, is that the will of God is not automatically done. Uh, you know, God, although he is sovereign, he is not in the sense of that everything that happens within our life is the sovereign will of God. And I don't have time to really go there and, and dig any deeper in that. But understand this, you don't need to pray if it be your will. If, write this down, if is the badge of doubt. If is the badge of doubt. Faith cannot be expressed when there's an if in the sentence. You can't express faith. Faith can't be expressed when there's an if. If is a sign that I don't know. 
whenever we're praying the will of God, we must know this is God's plan. This is the will of God. I know that this is the will of God. That's what gives me confidence and faith. That's what allows confidence to arise within me. This is what James said. James said that if we know the will of God, we, if, if we pray, somebody help me up with this scripture, we, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him, right? If we pray, we know that he, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we, we have the petitions that we have prayed of him. So understand this, praying anything that's not the will of God, don't expect an answer to that prayer. But if you will pray the will of God, and by the way, the will of God is always based upon the known word of God. So we know that there are certain things that are the promises of God. That is the will of God for your life. If you have a promise in the Bible that says it, that is the will of God for your life. If God said it to you, then that is the will of God for your life. See, we got prophetic words. I'm closing. We got prophetic words about having a baby. And I've given this testimony before. You know, Pastor Stacy was pregnant. And what I had to do, what we had to do, we couldn't go, well, Lord, is this your will? Is this your will? No, we had prophetic words that we were going to have a daughter. We had prophetic words that we have a daughter who is a dancer in the house of the Lord. The doctor said, you have a blighted ovum, but we had a prophetic word. The doctor said, we, you need to do a DNC, but we had a word from heaven. And so what we did is we took that and we began to war, good warfare with that. We said, in the name of Jesus, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. And thank God, December 6, 1988, our daughter was born. Praise the Lord. Amen. See, what... what what we were doing is we were taking the will of God that we knew. That caused us to have confidence in warfare and prayer. If you don't know the will of God, you can't have confidence in prayer. Okay? If you don't know the will of God, you can't actually operate in faith. Now, listen, we don't pray just to be praying. We're not praying to prove anything. Not praying in order to cause people to think that we are spiritual in some manner or another. We pray because we want to pull heaven into earth. We want to pull the will of God into the earth. We want to see God's kingdom and his power and his will manifested in every realm of life. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Again, the first thing we have to do is you have to deconstruct all of these things. Deconstruct all of these things. Because I will tell you, if you pray, if, if you're praying and your prayer, uh, you have these old mindsets. I've got to do this. I have to do all these things that Jesus actually confronted. What you'll find is that your prayer life will be hindered. My prayer for you as your pastor is that your prayer life not be hindered at all. My prayer for you as your pastor is that you see breakthrough in every area of your life. Amen. Would you lift your hands to heaven right now? I want you to just pray this with me. Just, I want you to pray this with me. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. That the entrance of your word brings light and illumination. I declare in Jesus' name that anything that needs to be removed out of my life is removed today in Jesus' name. I declare freedom. I declare deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare in Jesus' name that all structures and all belief systems that have been wrong or false within my life that they're pulled down in the mighty name of Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. I thank you, Lord. Those things are bound. They're pulled down. I thank you, Lord. I walk in victory, and I walk in triumph. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a praise tonight? Listen, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, we're going to have some teams up here tonight. If there's anybody, you need any ministry tonight, if you need prayer concerning anything, if you need healing, you need deliverance, you need whatever it might be, I want you to know that we, you can receive the ministry tonight, the prayer of faith. The Bible says we'll save the sick and the Lord will raise him up, whatever it might be. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 1045. Make sure you're here. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I'm going to be here. It's going to be, uh, we're, well, everybody's going to be here. We're going to have a great time. Just come expecting to receive from the Lord. Lord, I bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. God bless each and every one of you tonight. Praise the Lord. Again, if you need any ministry, teams are here to minister to you tonight. We love you and bless you in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.